we all had some wind from the front. Is that how you say it in English? Uh, <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So it's, it's, it's been interesting, but that just means that God is, again, He's about to do something very significant within our church here, within our team, and also up there in the Vundu. So we just want to, 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 um, to pray for all of you guys. So if you want, you can just stretch out your hand and close your eyes, and we'll just you know, pray for the team. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of it all. And it says, Lord, in your scripture in uh, Matthew, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, including the Vundu, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." And it also says, Lord, in your scripture, it says in Mark 16, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I just want to pray, Lord, for our team here today, Lord, that you will bless them with supernatural manifestation, Lord God, of your authority, Lord Jesus. Not our earthly authority, Lord God, but yours and yours alone, because it is in your name, Lord God, that we can do all these things, because we received it from you, Lord God, as believers. And I, I pray, Lord, as well for our team, that that signs and wonders will follow them, Lord Jesus. That signs and wonders will follow them because it says in your scripture, Lord God, it will follow those who believe, Lord. And I know that everyone here this morning believe in you and believe in your scriptures, Lord God, a hundred percent. So th th thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And I, I pray also for them, Lord God, that while they are there, Lord, that each and every one that they see there, that they meet there, Lord God, that they can lead back to you, the Father. For, for everyone there, Lord, that doesn't understand who the, 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 the Father is, Lord God, I pray that you will make us humble enough and that we can share your goodness and your grace in such a way, Lord God, that those who do not know you, can now see you, and now know you, and now accept you as their Lord and their Savior. So, so uh, I thank you for that, Lord God. And I, pr I pray, Lord, also for this last day of um, the preparations, that everything will go according to plan. Lord God, I pray that you will keep the team safe. I will pray, Lord, that you will keep everyone that is here, that is um, sending them and help to send them, that you will also keep them safe, Lord God, and that that there's no way that the enemy will come and steal from anyone in this church, from the team, from the intercessory team, Lord God. So I pray your protection over them, Lord Jesus. And also, Lord God, I pray for, for us as a team, but also for us as a church to constantly stay in unity, Lord Jesus. Because it says in your scripture, Lord God, where there is a unity, you command a blessing. And we want to walk out here, Lord God, and receive your blessings, but also then share it with those in need, Lord Jesus. So I thank you for that, Lord God. And I also pray, Lord, as we are here, while we are here, that you prepare the hearts and the minds of the people that we will reach. Prepare them, Lord, to receive your good news, Lord Jesus. And also pray for their protection, Lord God, for... Um, if there's, there's, there's anything that tries to restrict them from receiving us or from re receiving your good uh, news, Lord Jesus, I pray now that you will uh, uh, bind that, that you will bind the enemy, that it has no p 
power over these people, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord God. And most of all, Lord Jesus, I pray that for all of us, Lord, that whatever we do, that we will do it in love in the same way as you love us, Lord Jesus, as you love your people, your creation. Let us be driven by love, Lord Jesus, and truth. We thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you for you, our Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I was looking for a scripture and I couldn't find it. So I thought instead of having you watch me look for a scripture in the Bible, I'm going to ask you honest to find it for me. Anyway, don't be alarmed. I have prepared for this morning. All right, before we get into the word this morning, which I'm super pumped about, um, I want to share this. For those of you who have not heard yet, we are going to start with Wurzkuel online. That's another word for Bible school. Amen. Who's excited about Wurzkuel? Kijk hier so, dit gaan jou lewe verander, nie? And so I hope you are ready. And so what we've what we have decided to do is, because we are still a small church, we are growing in our capacity, we are growing in our um, leaders and different things that God has laid on our hearts, we thought we do not have to wait for Bible school if we've already got a fantastic Bible school online via Zoom in our Cape Town campus. So they have Bible school on Monday nights, every single Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. So all you need is really, really good internet and or you can gather at people's homes and do it together, and you need a good Bible, and you need a good notebook, and you maybe need some highlighters. Okay, that's just mostly for us girls, but also for the men. And what we are going to do, it's going to be in Afrikaans for now. Once, obviously, we are a little bit more up and running as a church, we would love to have our dream and vision is to have our own building with our own Bible school in Jesus' name. So we are going to get there, but let's not wait for that. Let's get into the Word. And so we are going to start on Monday night, the 6th of June, uh, in the book of John, in the Gospel of John. So that's really exciting. And then we have an introductory session on next Sunday, the, where are we today? The 15th. Next Sunday, the 22nd, right here in Rosewood from 3 to 5. And if you are interested and you're not yet sure, that's also a good session to come to. We won't lock you in. If you decide this sounds like too much homework to me, that's also okay. But you're welcome to join the info session. And we're going to talk about the inductive Bible study method. What is that? How does it work? How are the classes going to work? What translation do I need? Etc. Etc. So that's going to be a really, really awesome time for us. And I believe it's going to take our church to a whole nother level of depth in the Word of God. Because as we're going to talk about today, the grace of God is amazing because it also teaches us how to apply His Word to our lives. So again, who's excited about that? Yes, I can't wait. All right. Are you ready for the Word of God? I want to get into it this morning because let me just not shake it too much so the plant falls off. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Donkey. And yes, I need a couple of things. Oh, thank you, my man. So, we had our fifth anniversary this week. So we are excited. And then I said, Johannes, do you know what the number five means? It means grace. Isn't that amazing? The week before, I had my birthday as well. So May is a real tough month for Johannes. And... Uh, <laughs> That's why he's looking a little tired. <laughs> I love to celebrate. I've learned after I gave my heart to the Lord that it's good to celebrate. You know, we need to celebrate each other more. We need to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And, and as we were celebrating my birthday, we were at a restaurant and um, the, the staff, they baked a cake. And on the cake, this lady who had no idea we were even pastors wrote, the year of God's grace. So I was like, Lord, okay, I get the message. So, grace upon grace. We are going to talk about today, how does God's grace empower us? How does God's grace empower us? So, if you were here last week, we spoke about why is God's grace so amazing? You know, there's a reason we keep singing about God's amazing grace, but what does that actually mean? And last week, when we, when we started talking about it, we said that in the last few weeks, we've shared messages about our relationship and our intimacy with Jesus. 
And Johannes spoke a message on Easter about salvation. And then Jacques followed with a message on how to pursue intimacy with the Lord, because that's really where it's all about. We can be involved in all the things of God, but not God himself. And truth be told, he's after relationship first and foremost. Before any outreach, before any Bible school, before any activity we do for him, he created us for relationship. And as I was listening to their messages and I was praying and I knew that I was going to be uh, preaching for two weeks in a row, I said, Lord, what is it that we need to share? We always ask the Lord. We can think up all sorts of great things, but we, who knows, we need a rhema word from the Lord. We always want a now word from the Lord. We don't want last week's amana. <laughs> Amen? We want fresh bread. Who loves fresh bread? Mmm. Now I've got hunger. All right, so what was my point? The point is this. That the Lord showed me as I was preparing this word about grace, that one of the biggest keys that God has given the church today to walk in an intimate, passionate, close relationship with Him is receiving and understanding the grace of God. And if we don't understand and we don't have a revelation of God's grace, it can take us to a place of legalism and religion where we do the things for the God who actually wants to be in relationship with us. Amen? And we shared our prophetic word, and if you've been part of our church, we keep saying, we keep sharing the vision, we keep sharing the, the words that God has given us for this church, because it's important if you want to walk with us to know where we are heading. Amen? And so the word that, one of the words that we received on our wedding day, our entire wedding day was a prophecy on Namibia and this church plant. And the word was this, the Lord said to us that this will be a house of grace where lost sons and daughters will come home. And it's not about the lost son coming home, but about the good father waiting for them, but about the good father waiting for them. And quick recap, John 1, 17 it's the scripture we started off with, and this was the basis from which we are going to talk about grace. And we said this, for the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is very important to understand. And then we said grace has a twofold meaning. Grace is not just, um, I think the team has a, has a, a a slide up there. The first meaning is this, the undeserved, unearned favor of God. A gift from God that we cannot earn, we cannot work for it, we don't think, we shouldn't think we deserve it because we don't. It's a gracious gift from the Lord that the Bible says we have to receive by faith. That is the grace, His unmerited goodness, His unmerited favor, His uh, good will, His kindness, His loving kindness. That's the love of the Father that draws us into relationship. That kindness, that mercy that washes over us to forgive our sins and to reconcile us back to the Father. That's the first portion, if you will, of grace that we spoke about last week. So I'm, I don't have time to go through all of that because there's much more that we can obviously say. We spoke about the idea that grace is a gift. And as you do with a gift, you have to receive it. Don't be like us Afrikaners sometimes. Someone gives you a gift and you go, Ach, nee, jy moes nie. Don't go tell the Lord, Ach, nee, jyre. Jy moes nou nie die genade vir my gegeet. You know, you receive it by faith. We need it. We need the grace of God. I mean, that's the one gift we have to have. And we can only receive it by faith. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. And we looked at the parable of the lost son. And we said that both sons were actually prodigals. Both of them were. And many of us related to the oldest son that thought he could work for it. That thought because he was good and because he did all the right things and he worked for his father, that he automatically deserved the gift of grace. And the Lord's like, no, no one deserves it. I give it because I am grateful. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen. And now we want to get to the second portion of what grace is and or part of the definition. And the more I researched this, the more I studied this, the more that I 
dug into the word about what grace really is, the more I realized we don't preach on this enough. We don't teach on the second portion enough. In fact, I even Googled sermons on God's empowering grace. Don't think you'll find a lot. Well, I'm, I'm very picky to what kind of sermons I like. So I didn't find many of the ones that I liked. So, you know, where it teaches me what God's empowering grace is. There is something more than just being saved. There, there is something more. Everyone say there is more. Who is hungry for more? Who's a little bit dissatisfied with just the status quo? I'm sorry, but Jesus didn't die for me to just be average and ordinary. Okay? And he didn't die for you to be that way either. So two scriptures that we looked at last week, but we're going to briefly look at them again. If you've got your Bibles with you, 2 Corinthians 12. And this is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of Grace. So... Basically, you want to eat up everything that Paul taught on the grace of God, because I think he really had a revelation. What is a revelation? Wippenboring. I couldn't think of another English explanation. Wippenboring, yeah, that's powerful. So he said this. He said, the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Everyone say sufficient. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough always available regardless of the situation. For my power, everyone say power. My power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that this morning. <laughs> I need to hear that every single morning for that matter. And listen to this, Acts 4 verse 33. We're still recapping, by the way. And with great ability, and everyone say power, the apostles were continuously testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace, God's remarkable loving kindness, favor, and goodwill rested richly upon them all. Do you see that there is a link between God's power and His grace? How were these apostles able to do all those signs, wonders, and miracles. This scripture tells me because of God's great grace. This scripture tells me that they had some kind of a revelation and they believed that God loved them, that he had equipped them, that he had favor towards them. They had the right understanding of God's grace. And because of that, they were empowered. And I got to the realization that, you know, sometimes what we do is most times, and I'm speaking to myself this morning, I don't know if anyone else relates, we want to try and do all the things of God without receiving His grace to do it. That's oftentimes where frustration and irritation and a lot of those things come from, because we did not wait for the grace to empower us. The Bible dictionary defines grace as this. The main idea of the word grace is a divine means of help or strength, an enabling power, and it enables the recipient to do and to be what he or she cannot do and cannot be if left to their own means. Are you hearing that this morning? It is a divine help or strength or enabling power, enabling us to do and to be what we couldn't do or be in our own strength. To me, this is life-changing. This is life-changing. Because if I've been saved, and I believe God has got a plan and a purpose for my life, including to transform me into the image of His Son before Jesus comes back, then I'm going to need some divine help. Because I couldn't even get saved by myself. How am I going to be transformed by myself? How am I going to testify to Jesus' resurrection by myself? And so, even if you're not in the Devundu Outreach team, you have been called. You have been called to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your everyday life. You are going to need power. You are going to need divine help. You are going to need divine strength. There is only one place to find it. 
and it is the grace of our God. This is the good news, by the way. <laughs> the good news of the gospel of grace. I'm like, no, so Aaron's there. It's a manifestation of his power, a supernaturally ability. Supernaturally, what? Supernatural ability. <laughs> Everyone here knows what I mean. All right. So the essence is number one, we are saved by God's grace. It's a free gift. We receive it by faith. It's free for us, but it costs Jesus everything. Let's just remember that. It costs the Father everything. But we are saved, and it's beautiful. It's a free gift. We come as we are. He takes us as we are with our failings, with our mud, with our slime, all of our issues. God loves us. He takes us in. But now, what happens now? God loves us too much to leave us like that. We don't just get saved and Bob's your uncle and there's no debt. There is actually a desire to grow into the person he's called me to be. Amen? And that is the thing that we are going to talk about this morning. How do we then actually get to that place of growing in his grace, of walking out his grace, of becoming this changed person that the Bible says I can become? God loves me too much to leave me where I am as he found me. And the church as a whole, if we just preach the message of grace, saving grace, which absolutely we have to, that's why we're going to the Vundu, we're going to preach the message of God's saving grace. But if we just stop at that definition, we'll never get to the definition of his empowering grace that will change us and that will shape us to become the disciples we need to be. And we will limit the idea that God has called us into a place of maturity. That's also called, another term for that is sanctification in the Holy Spirit. Now the work begins. All right. Now the work begins. But, of course, as with any gift, it is there, but we have to cooperate with the Lord to receive it. We have to cooperate with the Lord to allow His grace to have His way inside of us. Who knows, you can be saved and still resist the Lord for the rest of your life on earth. And just be of no example and no earthly good. And I mean it with the biggest love in my heart. We can be of no earthly good. Amen. Jesus actually called us to be the salt and light of the earth. In other words, we have to influence. We have to establish the kingdom where we go. That's our vision. We have to establish the kingdom. We have to witness to Jesus' resurrection. But we need divine enablement. We need divine enablement. And you know what I realized? We meet many people in ministry. We've been in ministry for a while, and you see things in the church, and you see people's lives, and maybe you have people in your family and at your work, and, you know, they say they're Christians. But maybe they were saved five or ten years ago, but nothing, nothing, nothing has changed in their life. They still talk the same, they still speak the same, they still live the same lifestyle. And with the biggest love in my heart, I want to say that they really experience the grace of God. And there's always another opportunity, so we can always pray for people. But something has to change in your life for the better if you've encountered the grace of God. It has to. It is impossible for us not if we've experienced the grace of God, if the grace of God has washed over me, it is impossible. It's unmoendlik for me to like what I like. It's impossible. And so do you understand why it's important for us to preach the grace of God so that the church can stand up and wake up and move in a place of power that God is calling us to? We can sing about the kingdom, but if we don't go out and establish the kingdom, it doesn't mean anything. We can get excited, and trust me, I'm excited when I sing. I will hard loop, you know, I will go. But the world needs a church that is changed. The world needs a church that has power. They don't just talk about it, they walk the walk. Amen? Okay, now that was just the foundation. All right, so we said, grace is more than God's good will towards us. It's also his willingness in us, to do in us and for us that we could never do on our own. And you know, when the grace of God captures your heart, when grace enters you, when grace comes over you, 
You want to live for him. You want to build his kingdom. You want to have a changed life. Jy het nie motivering dan nodig van a pastor of a preacher nie. You don't need someone else's motivation. Jy wil. So many times people come and see us, no, but no, no, no. Jy wil nie. When you encounter the grace of God, you want to be changed. Die ding staan op in jou. It's like a fire that comes over you. I don't know, but that's what happened to me. Okay. So this morning, I just want to talk about three things. Because as I said, if you talk about grace, we can go on for the entire year and, you know, we'll still not have enough. We'll still not cover every single subject. I'm still good with time. But there's three ways that God's grace empowers us today. So I'm going to try and do this in the next 30 minutes. Three ways that His grace empowers us. If you are taking notes, number one, first point is this. Grace teaches us to live godly lives. Grace teaches us to live godly lives. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Titus 2. Oh, it's actually titled A Godly Life in my Bible. Titus 2, let me just read it from here. We're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to skip down to verse 11 and 12. And this is the Apostle Paul. Now, Titus was a young church leader. I so relate. Okay, and uh, Paul was the one who raised them up. He was their mentor. And he said this to Titus. He said, but as for you, teach the things which are, which are in agreement with sound doctrine. And sound doctrine produces men and women of good character whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. And verse 11 for the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us. Now, it is referring to what? The previous scripture that talks about the remarkable, undeserved grace of God. Teaches us to reject ungodliness and to reject worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. And I underlined this, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. That is powerful. So Paul is reminding Titus and he says, I need you in your church to teach sound doctrine. In other words, because of the grace you have received, out of that grace comes teaching, comes sound doctrine. That's what we aim to do. When we pray, when we prepare, when we teach, we want to teach sound doctrine, not so we can, you know, have a nice message, but the result of that is so that it produces mature sons and daughters of the faith. So that when we go out of church on a Sunday, we can reflect our Christian values and life to a broken world on the outside. But what teaches us what those morals are? What teaches us to reject ungodliness and to live upright, beautiful, holy lives is the grace of God. Grace is a person. Truth is a person. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In other words, when we spend time in the Word and we listen to Jesus' teachings, which is filled with grace and is filled with truth, it will lead us to live holy lives. It will lead us to a place where the Holy Spirit can sanctify us. What does that mean? Make us more holy. Get all the rubbish of the world out of us, out of our souls, out of our thinking, out of our behavior, and produce these holy, mature sons and daughters. Do you see that it's not us in our own strength getting us to a place of holiness? Sometimes people struggle to break off addictions. Sometimes we struggle to break off bad habits and things that we've picked up in the world before we met Jesus. And I believe it's because we try and do it in our own strength. And the Lord says, you need my grace. It's part of the grace that I've given you when you got saved. It's that same grace that will heal you on the inside. It's that same grace that will teach you a new way to live. It's that same grace that will break off the bondage in your life that you can't get rid of. And I 
I need to say this. We said it last week as well. You always have to say this when you talk about grace as like a subclause. Sometimes people think when you preach on grace, they don't want you to preach on grace too much because they're scared that it's going to give people a license to sin. And respectfully, if someone thinks that, it means they don't have a revelation of grace. Because as we just saw in this scripture, grace will actually lead me to holiness. Grace will not lead me back into sin. Now that's a doctrine that'll take us a few weeks to go into. But what it means is this, grace does not give me a license to sin. I still have consequences when I go dabble in the world with things that I know I shouldn't be busy with. There will be consequences. Has Jesus already forgiven me? Absolutely. But when I constantly receive his grace and I ask for his grace and I receive his grace, he will lead me out of that and it will make my heart want to move in his direction. It will not want to make me move back into that old place. That means I don't yet have a revelation of grace. So if I'm struggling in that area, I need to study grace. I need to ask the Lord and search for the Lord and sit there in that place until I get a revelation and understanding of His grace in my life. That is what will bring breakthrough. That is what will bring victory. Amen. I want to challenge us as a church this morning. We've got three weeks till word school comes. Why don't you do a study on grace? How do you do a study on grace? Just look in the concordance at the back of the Bible. Look up the word grace and go and read every single scripture that speaks on grace. Get a journal. Put in some work. If we want to see victory in our life, we've got to go. We need some grit. We need to... Come on. Give it... Yeah, like you've got to be desperate for the Lord. You know, there's another scholar that said this. He said, his definition of grace is God's divine influence on his heart. I thought, okay, I'm done. His divine influence on my heart. And I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord, I think it was in 2008. And it was at a service and the pastor was preaching on purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll never forget it because I always wondered why are we here, purpose, all of that. You know, I couldn't understand what is the purpose of this life. Everything else was really boring to me. And so I was looking for purpose. I was looking for something more. There has to be more. I knew there was something more. You know, God, the Bible also says God planted eternity in the heart of man. So we all know, everyone knows there is something more. I don't care where you are from, what village you are in. Everyone knows. God's planted the seed of eternity in all of our hearts. Okay, what was my point? So, okay, so then I gave my heart to the Lord, okay? And I honestly believe God's grace came over me. God's grace came over me. And I don't know if you have felt like that the first time you gave your heart to the Lord, the first time you realized that cross scene that I grew up with was for me. There's a difference between seeing it for everyone else, but believing it for you. Believing that Jesus hung on that cross for me. You know, when that thing became real to me, when that, when that moment happened, I felt like the first time I met Johannes. In love. Susan, if anyone's ever been in love. I can't know from your hand up to stick. Yes, still, elke dag. Only five years. That's not, this is not honeymoon. Okay, so, but I felt like the Lord, when I thought of the Lord, I couldn't believe that he chose me. You know, did, did anyone feel like that? You feel like you're the only, you are the chosen one. I'm not talking about being like, oh, oh, echoes no, that. I'm talking about you honestly can't believe he chose me. Die, I don't know how to describe it. Lord, help me. Give me words this morning. You know what I'm talking about? That thing, that tug on your heart. And you know, no one had to convince, and this is not about me. I'm, I want to bring honor to the Lord this morning. No one had to convince me to stop going to the parties and the bras where I would drink all the shots until the shots were no more. Honestly. And you feel so sick the next morning, and yeah, just bubble us in. Man, whatever. And the lifestyle that I lived in, we all have different lifestyles. We all have different places where we've come from. But no one had to 
push me and preach to me and encourage me and motivate me to walk away from that lifestyle. I wanted to. I couldn't wait to. I felt like, like why was I even there? Why, whatever. I walked away from friends. I walked away from people. I walked away from places because I suddenly found what I was looking for. No one had to preach at me. Because I believe God's divine influence on my heart pulled me in that direction. I wanted everything that he had. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want to do anything that would hurt his heart. Amen? That is his divine grace. It's not I'm that cute. It's his divine grace. It's his power that enables us, influences our heart. Grace is the thing that will give us the power not to want to do anything to hurt him. That is the power that I believe the Lord wants to release afresh on us this morning. Because he loves us. And he wants to take us into that place where we can go higher. The Passion says in that same scripture, verse 11 to 12. No, wait. Hang on. It says this. God's grace, our motivation. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. And this same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us. Everyone say equip. It equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. It has nothing to do with you and I. It has everything to do with God's grace. Grace is a person. Grace brings salvation. It empowers us and it equips us. Number two, God's grace will enable us and equip us to serve God and his kingdom. Let me first read a scripture and then I'll add to it. 1 Peter 4 verse 10. This is really awesome. It says, every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. So that in everything... God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all the ages. Amen. Everyone say, I have a gift. I have more than one gift. I have a grace gift to serve my God and to serve his kingdom. Joyce Meyer says this. Hold on one second. Does everyone follow the notes on Vision? Coral. <laughs> Every week it's just coral. <laughs> Does anyone else? Okay, we just want to know. If no one is doing it, then we won't put the notes on there. Can I encourage you? Use it. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Because I've learned that God will speak to me something that he's maybe not speaking to the person next to me or next to me or next to that person. So this morning, the Holy Spirit, his grace, will give you a word in season this morning that no one else in the room is getting. Amen? So there's something, I really also felt that God will speak specific things this morning to specific people about where his grace wants to take you next, about where he wants to empower you next. Okay, hold on. All right, where was we? Okay, 1 Peter 4 verse 10. Joyce Meyer says the following. She says, grace is an ease to do what God has called you to do. An ease and an ability for something you could never do before. Now, the Bible speaks of three sets of gifts, and we will continue to talk about that. We've started and yeah, there's many things that we still want to do. But the first one is the motivation gifts, redemptive gifts. That's in Romans 12. You can go and read through them. 
Those are the gifts of the Father. In other words, those are the gifts that you were born with. You know, some people are natural leaders. They were born with the redemptive grace gift of leadership. All right? Some of you have been born with a gift of teaching. Okay? You have a redemptive gift. You were born to teach. You have a natural ability. It's not effort for you. It comes naturally for you. It's part of your personality. It's part of who you are. If someone else who does not have that gift tries to do that, they will struggle. They will experience frustration. Um, it wouldn't gel. It wouldn't flow. Amen? That is the grace. Then there's the gifts that Jesus gave the church in Ephesians 4. That is the five-fold ministry gifts. The office of prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, apostle. All right? Those are the grace gifts Jesus gave to the church in order to equip and raise up the saints for the works of service. Then there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. You can go and read. Those are the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. And the Bible says we should desire the gifts of the Spirit. Does anyone here desire the gifts of the Spirit? Maybe not all of them, maybe at least one. I mean, I desire all of them. Come on. Why stop at one? Why stop at three? All right. So God's grace will take us to that place where we earnestly desire the gifts. And I want to ask us this morning, do you earnestly desire a gift from the Lord? Because sometimes we can just be, oh, come to church, la, 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 and live a whole life without getting to the place where we realize what have we been called to do. And I want to encourage you, many times people come and they just don't do anything because they don't know what their gift is. Well, you know what? Find out. Step out and find out. I prayed for so many prophetic words for the Lord to appear in my bedroom, to declare the gift on my life and the calling and the purpose. And all I felt, and honestly, was that the Lord said, go serve in the new Christians team. Okay, now remember, I, I didn't have the confidence to speak in front of people. I don't talk in front of people. I'm happy there behind the pillar. We know I didn't even want the welcome team to welcome me. I just want to come in, receive a good word and go home. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, new Christians team. Now I had to hand out Bibles. I had to pray for people. I had to talk to people. I had to wear a blue t-shirt. It wasn't even a lanyard. It was a t-shirt that shouted to everyone, ask me, I'm a volunteer. This was so far out of my comfort zone, it wasn't even funny. But the grace of God, the Lord said, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Start somewhere. I'm just using my life as an example so I don't pick on anyone. But all of us have stories like this. And you know, I didn't start in a place where I thought I could speak in front of people. The Lord took me step by step, sometimes out of my comfort zone. And our team knows. I told Sam this morning, you're doing the welcome. Okay, it's part of how God trains us. Always be ready in and out of season, amen. All right, so... You know what, where is the Lord showing you we can start serving in our home? We can start serving our spouse. Johannes has a gift of making coffee. It's really good. If, ask him after the service to make you a cup of coffee. He will do it. It's the best coffee you ever had. And so just start somewhere. You know, start serving. Just, just step out and do something. And the Lord will, because he can't move, Joycey also says this, he can't move a parked car. The car has to be in first gear, going somewhere, doing something. And it doesn't matter. You know, many times we're also scared to step out because we really want to be in exactly the place where God's got us. Well, you know what? There's a scripture that also says, the path van die is ook, wat is die skrif? Okay, he has no idea. I've just referred the entire Bible to him. I'll, I'll bring it back next week. But it basically says this. There is a broad space. The path is narrow, but there is a broad space. So you know what, anytime you step out and bless someone in any area of gifting, and that's not your area, God will quickly bring you into alignment. But we have to just get moving. We have to just start somewhere. Because that's when we will experience His grace like nothing else. An example out of my own life, every Sunday morning when we drive here, Johannes wants to tell me some story and I'm not even listening because I'm, can you please just pray for me? 
I need God's grace, and I do it when he brings word. We need God's grace to be in this position. Please pray for us. We need God's grace, divine enablement, to even just prepare a word that maybe I've typed it out, but I need his grace to bring it. I need his anointing to to speak to you, because if I just speak to you, nothing will happen. But if his anointing and his grace is there, it will enable me. And the same for you, your job tomorrow, when you go to work, you need his grace to do what he's called you to do there. You need his anointing. It's like the oil in the engine that keeps things flowing. That's God's grace. He's divine enablement, and he wants to release a divine help to you in what he has called you to do. God expects us to work with his grace and to respond to his invitation. He's not called us to try and figure this out on on our own. He's not called us to do things in our own strength. Maybe you're in a relationship that's really, really hard. I believe God wants to give you a fresh portion of his grace this morning to do what he's called you to do. Maybe you've got a difficult situation that you've got to navigate, and you're like, Lord, I don't know. I need wisdom. I need guidance. God's grace wants to enable you to walk out the wisdom that he's given you. We need God's grace in everything. And his grace is what will empower us. Number three is this. Grace strengthens us to continue to grow to maturity. You can turn to Hebrews 4, verse 16. This is so powerful. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. The throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear. So that we may receive mercy for our failures. And find his amazing grace to help in time of need. An appropriate blessing coming at just the right moment. Don't you love that it says God's throne of grace? And I believe, this is not the only reason, but I believe one of the biggest reasons often the church, and I'm talking about the church, the bigger global church, maybe does not operate in the power that scripture shows that we can, is because we don't believe the throne is the throne of grace. That goes back to we don't understand our righteousness. We don't understand that Jesus has already done it all for us. He's already done it all on behalf of us. And we spoke about righteousness before and we said that when you wake up in the morning and you feel too guilty and too condemned to speak to the Lord, to go to the throne of grace in your prayer room, That's not the heart of God. That's not the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That is the accuser bringing you before the Lord. And that's where we need to learn to silence the voice of the accuser. Because it says in this scripture that God's throne of grace, number one, we first receive mercy for our failures. That means if I mess it up today, I can still go back tomorrow morning. The Bible says with confidence and without fear that I will receive mercy because I'm a child of God and Jesus has already done it on my behalf. And if I've got a real repentant heart, the Bible says I can come to the throne and receive his mercy. That means, Lord, I am so sorry. I've messed up today. Please forgive me. And immediately I receive his forgiveness. It's not talking about, I'm not talking about a heart of, oh, I want to mess up and I can just do what I want because Jesus' mercy is there for me tomorrow morning. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, Honestly, Lord, I've really missed it today. I'm so sorry, but firstly it says, I can receive your mercy for my failures. And then I receive your grace, your help in a time of need. And I believe that's the place where God wants to get us back to. And you know that the Lord is really dealing in my heart with how we are among one another. When we understand grace and when we get a fresh revelation of his grace for us, we will be able to release grace to other people. And I said last week, I've got a big problem with us as the church, again, the global church. On social media, the church is more judgmental than anything I've ever seen. 
more judgmental than the world, which tells me we don't know grace. It's not talking about not confronting things. That's a whole other topic. But it means, you know what, we all deserve mercy and we all deserve grace because we are all going to fail as we are in this process of becoming what God has called us to be. None of us have arrived. Johannes and I are going to make mistakes. You are going to make mistakes. But if God has grace for us, why can't we have grace for one another? Yes, we speak the truth in love, but grace always comes first. Grace means I will teach the word. I will teach sound doctrine to lead us to holiness. But you know what? I've learned in my life, and I see this in ministry. When I change my approach, because as a teacher, you always want to teach. Sometimes Johannes tells me, when you find teaching? It's a problem. You always want to teach first. But you know what the Holy Spirit has taught me? If I just love, I can leave the teaching to him. I can leave the conviction to him. Amen. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence and without fear. We receive mercy for the past and we receive grace for the future. I want you to stand this morning and I'm going to pray for some people. If you are in this room, and we always start with this. If you are in this room, you can just close your eyes this morning and we're just going to end the service in prayer today. If you are here this morning and if you're honest, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you've heard about Jesus your whole life, but you don't actually ever remember having that moment, having that specific time and moment where you said, Jesus, I decide to follow you. I decide that I want to follow you. I want to receive your grace and your mercy. And I want to live a life for you. Then we want to give you a moment this morning. And no one's looking around. Everyone's just focusing on the Lord and on the Holy Spirit this morning. I want you to just briefly raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you. If you've never, ever made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, because that's where grace starts. It starts to receive His grace for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then I'm going to continue to pray for a second group of people. And my hand is up for this next one. I really felt the Lord impress on my heart, and He's been talking to me in my own life about this that oftentimes we want to do all the things of the Lord out of a pure heart of passion and devotion. But we don't wait for His grace enablement. We do it in our own strength. And that's why there's not an ease. That's why it's not coming together. That's why there's a bit of frustration. That's why there's tears and disappointment because the Lord says I've never called you to do this alone my grace is sufficient for everything that you need and so if you are here this morning and maybe there's a specific situation in your life where you feel like Lord I know your grace is not here your divine enablement your divine power is not operating right now I want you to just raise your hand Maybe there's more than one area in your life where God wants to pour His divine grace in this morning. And my hand is up. I need a fresh outpouring of His grace and I need Holy Spirit to teach me how to walk in that grace every day. That grace to hear His voice, that grace to obey what He shows me, that grace to do what He's called me to do. The grace to actually lay down my own tools, my own mindsets, my own expectations, my own ways of how I think He's going to do it or what I think He should be doing.
Sometimes I've walked through situations and I find myself praying, but in the way I'm praying, I'm actually instructing the Lord with how I think He should do it. That's not how grace works. Grace is about Him. And it's about learning how to receive and learning how to flow from that place of receiving. And for some reason, it's some hard for us to receive. But I pray if that's you this morning, Lord, I thank you for every hand that is lifted and every person in this room this morning and everyone watching online. And Father, this morning we come and we surrender our lives, we surrender our hearts. We surrender everything we are fresh to you this morning. And Lord, we come and we repent for thinking we can do it in our own strength. And Lord, we acknowledge this morning that it is only by your grace, only by your divine enablement that we can see a change in this area that we've got in our hearts this morning. And so I want you to just repeat after me why, because it's really powerful when we call out to the Lord ourselves, because Bible says He hears our prayers. And we're going to approach the throne of grace this morning, and we're going to come confident, and we're going to come without fear, and we're going to know that He's standing there with open arms, ready to give us mercy for our failures and grace for our future. Why don't you repeat after me this morning, Lord Jesus, I thank you that grace and truth came from you and nothing in my own strength can accomplish that. I come before you, before the throne of grace, with confidence, without fear, and I want to repent for any area in my life where I've tried to operate without your help, without your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that I am forgiven. And I ask you today for your divine grace. Please pour it out on my heart. Help me to receive it. Help me to walk in it. Help me to rely on you, to trust you fully, and to know that I know that you've got me. Now just stand in his presence for a moment and just see the Lord pouring out his grace over you. See the Lord putting in your hand his power, his wisdom, his knowledge, his healing, his breakthrough everything from Him for exactly what you need. Thank you, Lord, that you're just pouring out right now over every person. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your favor, your loving kindness, your goodness. And Lord, we receive from you this morning. Help us, Lord, to walk out everything that you've got for us as individuals. Help us to walk out everything that you've got for us as a church, for us as a community. And we pray, Lord, that we would be a community that would operate in the deepest of revelations of your grace so that we can truly be powerful witnesses for your resurrection and for your kingdom in this world who desperately needs the tangible love and grace of the Father. We love you so much this morning, Lord. I pray a blessing over every person here, every family represented, over the team, over the intercessory team, over everyone that's donated and sacrificed for this church, for this community, for this outreach. And Lord, I thank you that your divine love will go before us. It'll go behind us. It'll go around us. And I pray that we would sense and know and taste the goodness of the Lord in this week to come. We thank you just so much for this, Lord. We thank you for testimonies as we continue to press deeper into this area of your grace. We thank you for your power that will be loosened on this church like never before. For your glory and your glory alone. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.
Awesome. Thank you so much for coming to church this morning. I pray that you're living full. I pray that you are living encouraged, full of power, full of grace. And now we're going to have coffee. In Jesus' name, amen.